0: I was to ask you to open up your phone, go to your music app, and play the last song that you played, and it will be your theme song for the rest of your life, what song would you play? Now, after I wrote this, I remembered the last song I listened to yesterday, and I kid you not... Yes, it is a hard knock life. My daughter likes the Annie soundtrack. So it was the last song we were listening to in the car on the way home. So um, would you be happy with your song? Would you be happy with the song that you opened up, your last player? Or would you even admit your last song? That's probably more of the right question. Um, Or what about that last song you had on repeat? The one you kept learning and learning and learning? Because maybe you were going to a concert Right? That's what we do, right? We listen to the, the, the artist before we go to the concert so we're not left out and we can sing along to all the other artists' songs. Because we don't want to be that guy who's not singing. We, we just start making up words, right? To look like we, we know the song. Um, or what about your, your power through song? The Nike running app basically has this option for when you can't run any further, it says press this button. And it's supposed to be a power song that you have selected to give you the strength to make it up that last hill or that last quarter of a mile or whatever it is. Um, What about your jam? Like when a song comes on, you're like, that's my jam. Like you say it, I know you do. Uh, But what about when you are interrupted in singing your song? Like this. What about this? Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Someday, yeah, we'll get it together and we'll get it all done. Someday... 25 miles, turn left onto North Cabin Street. Hey, okay. the much much brighter. Brighter. Someday, yeah, we'll walk in the rays of the beautiful sun. Someday, when the world is much brighter. Ooh, Turn right onto Interstate 9 and North. Signs for Henry Hudson Parkway North. Uh, Things gonna get easier. Uh-huh. Take exit 14 for I-35 Donald Danvers Bridge the wards cross town expressway someday we walk in the rays of a beautiful sun someday in 4 miles keep right at the fork it just feels like every time i start to sing. someday we walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. When the world is much brighter. Recalculating, recalculating, make a left on Elsie Drive. In point one miles, make a left on Elsie Drive. Make a left on Elsie Drive. Get recalculating. Please make a left on sure. we're calculating. Continue on to Heracle. I think we knew where we're make supposed to go. Left. Things are gonna get easier. <laughs> That's happened to you, right? In your car, you're like singing loud and then you're the only one in the car and you get interrupted while you're singing. Um, this season uh, that we are in and as the church is marked by a lot of songs. There are a lot of songs that we sing that are very familiar to us. We've sung them many times. Um, there's a reason for that, because we remember songs. We remember um, where we were when we sang a song. We remember events through songs that we sing. We remember moments in time that we don't want to forget. That I mean, you go on your spring break trip, and you have that story. You listen to the same songs for six hours straight on the way to Roach. I know these, these are the things that we remember about songs. But thankfully, because of Luke's careful investigation which is how he opens this letter, is that he took the time to carefully investigate all these things about Jesus so that we can continue to believe the truth that we've been taught. He has recorded for us a song that is not just about Mary. Now, Mary could have made the song about her, but the truth is Mary's song in this Luke chapter 1 that Shay just read, some of the kids quoted from, it's not just Mary's song. But truly, for those of us that are in Christ, know Christ, it becomes a song that we actually sing on the regular. Last week, Gabriel visited uh, Zechariah, and uh, he promised a son to a couple who was barren and at very old age, and uh, this son would be the announcer for this son we're talking about today. John the Baptist would be the one who announces... That a savior is coming. John the Baptist was the one who would not be the way, but he would point people to the way, and it was a fulfillment of a promise that God had told hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. God was being faithful to what he had said would happen. This week, Gabriel visits another couple and interrupts their life. Starting to plan a life together, Mary and Joseph are interrupted by God's plan. Mary and Joseph are interrupted and Gabriel reassures Mary, this young servant girl, God's with you and don't be afraid. God is with you, don't be afraid. How many times do you and I need to hear that? How many times do you need to hear that? How many times have we walked in fear, and when the, we open the scriptures, God, God's word jumps off the pages, and all we get is, He's with you, don't be afraid. You know that's enough, right? That's enough to keep us moving forward. God is with you, don't be afraid. And he continues with Mary. God's on the move. You've been chosen to carry this special child. He will be the son of God. The promise is made to David. Yes, that David whom you guys have talked about and you know very well. This son that you carry will be a king who rules and reigns on a throne with no end. Forever. This child will be unique among all children born Last week, Gabriel delivered news to Zechariah that God was answering his prayers, and Zechariah responded with great faith. No, he didn't. He actually responded with doubt. Now, whatever, for whatever reason, Zechariah decided to question the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, who was like, you know who I am? I told you all this stuff. I stand in the presence of the Lord, and you're going to doubt me? Son, you're not talking anymore. So for nine months, Zechariah silenced. He is not allowed to speak because he doubted the Lord. Now Mary, in her response to the angel, How can this be? It's not marked by doubt, but more than likely practicality. You know, Gabriel, I know how this works, and I've never been with a man. And Gabriel's response is, Nothing is impossible for God. Now, there are moments where you begin to see the big picture show up here. And the Holy Spirit's role in this, Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And if you remember in the book of Genesis, when there was nothing, when it was dark, when there was no life, the Spirit of the Lord hovered and spoke and life Was created. In the very same way that the Holy Spirit was involved in creating life, then he's involved in recreating life in us, but also in this moment with this special child. You see, Joseph could not have been Jesus' father. For us truly to have a sinless sacrifice, that sin nature that is passed on from us could not have been passed on to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit's role of creating life this child will be holy. That is his description, and the Holy Spirit creating life, and Mary being the one chosen to carry this special child. Now, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, I, sometimes I think we forget that these words were written nearly 600 years before Jesus shows up. And I know there are some of you in this room that have questions about the scripture. You have questions about God's word. You have questions about the promises of God. Does God tell the truth? But when you go back in history and consider that these words were fulfilled, and it took time, but they were still fulfilled, you have to consider, is he a God who tells the truth? And if he is, what does that mean? For me, what implications will that have over my life? If God is the one who tells the truth and there is no truth apart from Him, then what does that mean right now for you and I? When God says something, it is his passion for his word that makes these things come to pass. And it is a season that we celebrate not just a baby in a manger. We celebrate the faithfulness of God. Not just in December, folks. I hope you don't celebrate the faithfulness of God's promises one month out of the year because it's not enough. You know there are 11 more months that we go through it. There are 11 more months that are hard and not easy and difficult and questionable and tough circumstances pop up. You and I were made to be fueled on the fact that God is faithful and committed to his promises. That's what we were reminded of more than anything else in this season. You know, for you and I, Mary's response to this news, she could have been doing like, you know, a dance, she could have had a party, she could have celebrated, but it was such a simple response. One where she chose to go, you know what, I see all that's going on around me, but I'm going to walk by faith, and it was a simple trust, and it was whatever God has said about me, may it come to pass. There is no simpler answer that one could be given at such a great declaration you know, we see the, the, the real reason for Mary being called blessed as she learns of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. Mary hurries to go see Elizabeth because Gabriel's like, "Look, you want to believe that this is going to happen? Go check out. Go check out Elizabeth. Go see. She is with child, way up there in age, as you know." Mary makes her way now. This is one of those moments where it could be considered a rabbit trail, but John the Baptist was given the task to what? Announce Jesus, correct? John the Baptist's whole reason for existence was to announce Jesus. We see this baby leaping in the stomach of Elizabeth, standing on her bladder saying, "There he is!" There he is. There he is. There he is! I can't say it enough, I'm leaping in the mother's womb, and I'm telling you, I'm doing what I was made to do in the womb. Guys, if this is not value on the human life, inside the human womb, God's purpose is made very clear from the moment that child starts being knit together. I don't know what is. John the Baptist doing what he was made to do in the womb. There he is, Jesus I love this picture of God's purpose and God's value from within the womb. And as John announces this, Elizabeth looks at Mary and explains in verse 45 of Luke chapter 1, You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. I have to imagine. I have to imagine that Elizabeth said this extra loud to Mary as Zechariah was sitting on the couch behind her. Hey, Mary, you are blessed because you believed the Lord would do what he said he would do. What's that, Zechariah? Nothing? Oh, that's right. You're the priest. You didn't believe the Lord. But here's Mary, little special Mary, who believed the Lord. Oh, and now she's singing. Zachariah, you want to su- Oh, right. You can't sing right now because you didn't believe. I, I don't know if this is how it happened, but I think it should. <clears throat> but if you listen to Mary's song, it is so different than the songs we sing today. I just did a simple search. Billboard Top 5. Billboard Top 5 in America right now. Every single one of those songs speaks of Everyone knows me. How huge I am right now. A star boy I am. All the haters hate me. And everybody fake but me. Well written, guys. Well written. Well written, America. These are what we by nature sing about ourselves. Mary's song is the great reversal. Mary had an opportunity, if she wanted to, to go, e- you know what? If I were you, I'd want to be me too. If I were you, I'd want to be me too. I'm blessed and highly favored by the Lord right now. I am. Let's throw a party. Let's paint myself. Let's, let's do all of these things and celebrate me, but she doesn't. In fact, she goes into a song that is so opposite of what we naturally do. See, I told you this is not just about Mary. It is about you and it is about me. Any praise that could have gone to Mary, Mary takes and points to God. She said, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, in God, my savior, recognizing she was not above anybody, but needed rescue and saving just like everyone else. But she rejoiced in it. She was like, God, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for moving on my behalf. Thank you for your strong arm reaching to me and rescuing me and not leaving me out to die, not leaving me dead, but making me alive. Thank you, God that you rescued me, but it wouldn't just be about her salvation, it would be salvation was coming to many. That is why you and I can sing this same song today because of Christ and what he has done. The rest of Mary's song details who God is and what he's doing. He's mighty. He's got mercy that he shows us. He's got a strong arm that will make even the most prideful, arrogant person you know on the planet step aside. But for the humble, he lifts them up. For those who would suggest that they're hungry and they cannot meet that need on their own, he fills them. For those who recognize that they are broken and have nothing, he meets them and says, I will lift you up. This is the great reversal. This is why Mary sang the song that she did. She could have, if anyone could have made it about her, she could have. But she didn't. Because she knew that it was God who was at work in her life. It wasn't her doing things and stuff and putting things into place and fulfilling prophecies and and making promises happen. She was just saying, God, whatever you've said, it's going to happen. And God lifted her up. See, the great reversal is that in our arrogance, we actually miss him. In our brokenness, he meets us in our ability to suggest, I don't have it all together, I don't have the answers, I can't do this, I can't make this happen, you alone are the one who can do those things, then God says, good, now we can work with something. This season is a reminder that God tells the truth. That to the arrogant, they are pushed to the side, and to the humble, they are welcomed in. It's very interesting when Jesus declares that there are two, type of, two types of people in the world. And friends, it's not the good and the bad. The sinner or the saint. It's the proud and the humble. And how do we approach this king? With arrogance? Look at my resume! Or, I honestly have zero. I'm going to need you to lift me up. This is why Mary says... I rejoice in God, my Savior. Now, I know there are some of you in this room who have played the church game long enough where you're like, yeah, Jesus is Savior for those folks, but you've never sung the song, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Like, it's, it's easy to say, God, thanks for saving us, but it is super difficult to say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying so that I can live. I think as long as you're joining in with everyone else singing the song about us, you're missing something. But when you're walking out those doors and you're saying, God, you saved me. You rescued me. Your death purchased for me new life. Because when you open a Christmas present on Christmas Day, typically you don't like presents that are group presents, right? You don't, do you? I mean, I don't. In lieu of a present, we've planted a tree for you somewhere and your whole family. Try explaining that to my children. No presents? There is a difference between saying God our Savior and God my Savior. The one who brought me rescue. The one who reached down and it is his strong arm. That's what Mary sings about. His strong arm. Saving his people, and um, it is a song of mercy that is sung it is a song of of recognizing what is undeserved it 's a song of recognizing that God tells the truth in verses fifty four and fifty five I think i 've heard it said this way in Luke chapter one, when we read scripture and we become very familiar with it. Some people say familiarity breeds contempt. Well, in Bible reading, I think familiarity breeds laziness. And we fly over these truths that took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to come to pass. And we're kind of like, eh. But Mary's song, verse 54 and 55, He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever ever see you and i somehow find our story wrapped up in that statement in the book of Micah Listen as he declares what God is going to do. Where is another God like you? Who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry your, at your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago Mary's song our song is simply one that sings and declares that God tells the truth our song is simple, it is that God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do and that is if he's going to provide rescue for our people that is not by works but by faith, then we believe him and we celebrate that was his idea, not ours See, I know many of you could sing this song even though trials and struggles remain. Many of you sing of God's faithfulness not when things are going great, but when things are hard. Right? Like I don't think we're, we're always the ones who jump on the train for singing about God's faithfulness when everything is great. The bank account is full, the gas tank is full, the cupboards are full. We just kind of go through life, and then something happens. And that's when the real songs come out. See, we can sing the poppy, catchy songs when things are happy, but when things are difficult and the world comes against you and the enemy comes against you or you make a bad decision or you sin and there's all of this stuff piling on top of it, when do the deepest heart songs come out? Not when things are great, but when things are hard. I think some of us forget what Mary is about to walk back into as she sings this song of God's faithfulness. Do you know that Mary sang this song of faithfulness knowing she was going to have to see Joseph and say, uh, um. Do you know that Mary was going to have to face her family and say, uh, um. Do you know that Mary was going to have to go back to a community knowing everything that this community knows, that she could have had rocks thrown at her head until she was dead? Mary didn't sing this song because everything was great. Mary had hope because the Lord had promised to do what he said he was going to do. Things were not shiny and happy and cupboards full and things and wallets full. It was, this is going to be the most difficult moment of my life. And all I have to sing about is the faithfulness of God's promise to rescue. That will be my song. Now, as we get ready for our kids' processional, and and you guys can come on up and, and start getting ready. The Apostle Paul closes his letter to the Romans, trying to get them effectively into the Christmas spirit before the Christmas spirit was even a thing. But in Romans chapter 15, you and I are actually mentioned. And it starts this way. Remember... That Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles... Now here's the deal. If you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them... This is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. In another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles, you and I. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary, aren't you scared what Joseph will think? Yeah, but I got hope. Mary, aren't you afraid about what your family and your friends might say? Yep, but I have hope. Mary, what about the community? I mean, think of all the women who all they do is gossip in the community and they say it's a prayer request, but they're gossiping about you to their friends and your rumor the rumors and your reputation they're done for. What do you think? I have hope. See, sometimes when Christmas can't be about looking around and seeing all that we have because maybe we don't have much, We have this. Because if in this season we're celebrating that God tells the truth, then if He tells the truth, and Jesus is who He says He is, and He came to rescue us, not by works but by faith, then we have everything to rejoice about. Everything to rejoice about. Jesus changes the song that you and I sing once there's a recognition that He is my Savior, we can't sing the same songs that the world sing about self-confidence and, and, and my self-example and me or, or even our own self-destruction because a lot of songs are about that. The truth is, when Jesus shows up, the song we sing changes and it becomes one of God, this is who you are, and this is why I can praise you. There's a lot going on There are a lot of temptations and trials and struggles swirling around me, but there is one song that I will sing. I don't know, for those of you that have seen the the movie Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash story, but there's a part when he's getting started in his career, and he sits with this producer and his band in the room, and it's like he's like, let me just play a song for you, and I'll get a record deal, and it's that... i mean it's like this really dull gospel sounding song and the producer's like dude let me just stop you right there you're really going to sing that song like this song the same song that we hear on the radio broken down no life behind it and johnny cash's response is like well did you not believe me or is it the gospel and the producer says it's both I don't believe you. I don't believe this song you're singing. And he says, he goes into this speech and he says, look, if you're hit, dead, on the side of the road, hit by a truck, and you're laying in the gutter, dying, and you have one song to sing. One song, that's it, to tell God and everyone else on this planet how you feel about your time here. You're telling me that's the song you're going to sing. And for the Christ follower, there is one song. And it's not about us. It's not about me, it's not about my accomplishments or my failures. It is the song of God's faithfulness, and that is what this season points us to. Whose song are we singing? Ours or his? So this morning, as as we're able to celebrate truly as these kids march around this room with one intention, and that is not just to look cute, but to tell the story of God's faithfulness, we are a people who, you know what? If you get weepy-eyed at the sight of this, good. If you start welling up with tears because you cannot handle all that's being declared through the cuteness and the faithfulness of the of these children who have gone. We may not even know all this story, but, but we know that God is big, and that's all we've got. It might be all you have. So what story are you singing? What do you sing about? And has Jesus changed any of that? Because I do believe, as Mary said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Her story was changed. Her story and who she sings about was changed. So was ours. Father, we love you. And I just ask that as we sing songs that are familiar and songs that are not, I pray that you would transform what we sing about. That it would be impossible to boast in ourselves, that it would be impossible to sing songs about how great we are when we know that it is your mighty arm that moves all the arrogant to the side and welcomes humble home. Thank you that we don't have anything of our own but that you desire to give us everything we need. And it comes through humility. Thank you for changing our song. It's in your name we pray.